0: Hey everybody, I want to apologize first to Carla Mayfield, uh, the podcast you're about to listen to. We had some massive technical difficulties and uh, so we've, I think, resolved the issue now, but I didn't want to not put the podcast up. She is such an interesting lady and I had so much fun talking to her, even though it's not technically the best uh, podcast, she's one of my favorite guests, so um Thank you for uh, understanding. Please give this a listen, and thank you, Carla, for coming on the show. Hey, everybody, this is Chad with I Want to Know, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, Carla Mayfield. Carla is the, I want to say owner, I don't think that's right, president of (laughs) Mayfield Renovations, Um, a woman in business, um yeah we've known each other for four or five years now she's trying to work out her social media stuff as we get the podcast <laughs> going uh how's it going girl good,
1: good. did you
0: figure it out
1: <laughs> no i'm gonna work on this <laughs> <All right. laughs> when i ask you a question in you chat yeah i'll i'll f- try to post
0: i will try to make the <laughs> longest answers i can <laughs>
1: <laughs> all good
0: so let's start with um you want to start with construction or do you want to start with your upbringing? I I, like, I'm so, we talked the other day for coffee Mm -hmm. and I'm so interested in hearing about your upbringing.
1: It's, it is interesting. Yeah. And as I say that, I feel a little bit egotistical saying that, but I had a really interesting upbringing. Right. And it leads into how in the world do I own a construction company nowadays? Well,
0: perfect. Then that's where we should start. Okay. So... I have it down as the message, so not the mm-hmm. uh, biblical transla- translation, not the the Bible translation, mm-hmm. but this is its own. I Google it and I couldn't find anything on it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, maybe so, I'm not
0: looking deep enough. Or so let's let's tell everyone what the message is.
1: Yeah, so it's a religion that um, came up with followers around a man, a minister that was in the states in the '60s, and um, we grew up. With the understanding that he was a prophet of God. Okay. So the people in it and myself, my experience, we always has, we did not say we were followers of this man or anything. So we called ourselves the message. Yeah. It was described to us as an unorganized religion.
0: Okay. Okay. So was it like a commune living? Did you go to church like on Sundays? What was what was it like?
1: Mm-hmm. So we lived in our own homes yeah. and um, had church Sundays, often Sunday morning and Sunday night, and Wednesday evenings. So some of the churches Sunday morning, yeah. and Wednesday night was
0: uh, is it? It's Christian based, right? It is. Like they're um, Pentecostal is what yeah. they would call themselves. Yeah,
1: it traces itself. It's interesting too, Chad, because. I've never talked openly about this part of my life until the last year mm-hmm. and I and I started to see in the last year how I'd go through my life kind of like a ghost like on the outskirts of my own life. Yeah. Which is odd because yeah. I have a big personality <laughs> and stuff, but there was this part of me that I never spoke about it because I had this incredible like respect and I still actually believed that I should be living that way. right? And so I want to preface it because I have so many friends and family that are still in the message and I love them. Yeah. And it's just not, it is not for my life.
0: You're not here to bash them or put not them down. Not at all. Or just, yeah. just explain the, maybe the troubles that it caused you.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. the things, the things that went on for me growing up in it and it had an impact huge yeah. on my life. So yeah, the people they'll meet in independent churches, yeah. um, there's there's always a pastor, and the, and my perspective of it. So what I know. One person, right? <laughs> so the sample size is small, right? You haven't got a massive
0: study, and <laughs> no. what do they all believe? And you, no, this, just your point. This is my
1: perspective. Um, there, part of the reasons why it was an unorganized religion is that there wasn't a hierarchy of ministers. Okay, so it's funny because when I got older and I started questioning things, yeah. to me there was a hierarchy. Like it wasn't just any message minister could talk in any message church. There was, like, factions in it. And then there would be, like, some that were more, like, in the know than other ones...
0: What's in the no mean? Like, they're just better studied, or God talks to them more than they talks to somebody else? <laughs> That's a good question.
1: I don't know. Like, maybe it's the cool kids in the group, oh, okay. like that they're, they're like in their own little gang. It sounds and if, like
0: Scientology, like it's, where they're very much like, well, if you're an actor, then you get to be level six Scientologist, and
1: <laughs> no? Not like that at all. Okay. No, not like that. So, it, it is, a, it's a Pentecostal, it comes from Pentecostal roots. Yeah. And, um...
0: Holy Rollers.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Like, do you know anything about the Azusa Street revivals in California?
0: I don't. I don't think I've ever heard that.
1: Yeah. So, like, this could be a whole nother really interesting topic. And it, in the, if I remember correctly, in the 40s and 50s in the States, Pentecost had this huge revival. And, um, if you study religious history or, sorry, not religious, specifically Christian history... Yeah. Like there was the reformers, right? And they, you know, how they went against the Catholic Church and were like, "This is this can't be of God," and right? And so they started posting things on doors. Protestants, and, right? Totally. That's the base, yeah. Yeah. So Protestants, they protested yeah. against the Catholic Church. So when you look through Christian, or when I have looked through Christian history, then one of the next steps was Pentecost, okay. and like out of it always. Came down, and I think all religions probably do this. There's, it always is. They're splitting away, and then Baptist came out of like these things all trace back to the same roots. So Pentecost was the movement where people started speaking in tongues. Yeah, and there was the focus became on on getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't like about acts, like the the acts of what you did in your life or that you said, I believe a certain dogma. Yeah, it was now that you'd have this. Outward display. Yeah. Um, so that's where the message would, tr- I would say, it traces its roots back to. Okay. So, yeah, the one man who the message believers view him as a prophet, he lived in the States. And um, what was his name? William Branham.
0: William Branham. Okay.
1: Yeah. So he had visions. He had a healing ministry. There was, now, I don't know if there's a conspiracy or not, but I've literally seen medical copies of medical documented records of people that got healed of cancer like miraculous healings and things and I I guess I don't I realize right now I don't think about that very much so I haven't questioned about whether all of that was made up or not yeah. but I was per-
0: I personally know people that were healed just through their belief system yeah me too um, so whether it's message or Pentecostal or Catholic, mm-hmm. I think this is a common thing. I think it's not something that's made up, and I think it's something that we can't explain. But mm-hmm. I have friends that are doctors that have seen it, and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't know how a tumor disappears, but it disappears totally." Right. Like
1: one of my really good friends, literally this happened. She had breast cancer, and then she was in a service, felt like something go through her body, maybe like electricity, and then literally felt, and the tumor in her breast was gone.
0: That's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: And it's, this is a friend, like I felt the tumor. And then so, it wasn't there. And it was gone.
0: I know. Uh, there, there's stuff that I think on this planet that we'll never be able to explain mm-hmm. and uh, um, not in a way that the the general population are going to understand, mm-hmm. but there's definitely, you have to know that if you believe something deep enough, you mm-hmm. can make it come true. Like there, mm-hmm. there's that type of power. You, you see it with... You know, Tony Robbins and all these successful Mm -hmm. people, they're like, write it down, believe in it, and there's scripture to back that up Mm -hmm. as well, where they say, you know, what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth will come true. Mm -hmm. Well, then that's all you have to do. People are doing it. Whether they're religious or they have a, a cultural background in Christianity or whatever, they, there's people that are doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wim Hof, sorry to go off yeah, topic. Yeah, no, totally. He, uh, I don't know if anyone knows about, if you know about him, but he's this guy that believes that he can heal through breathing. So mm. he, they actually injected him, I believe it was with a cold virus mm-hmm. and it never took hold. He mm. breathed and meditated and the doctor's like, yeah, it's not in you anymore. And they injected him with it. They mm-hmm. did this at a university. So right. he believes that he can cure cold, so, sickness, illness through breathing techniques.
1: Yeah, so it was almost like he oxygenated his body and it killed it off.
0: Right. Yeah. How
1: interesting.
0: Uh, no, it's uh, this is guy that'll run around the Arctic Circle in his underwear. <laughs> And not get cold or get frostbite, <laughs> or, or
1: or is he like a, a human anomaly? Because <laughs> like I well have a friend be, right? who runs those extreme like hundred mile races, yeah, and he's the first to say like he genetically is not quite designed like <laughs> the average human being. Next he's time, like a tendon.
0: <laughs> yeah, next time you meet him, ask him about Courtney DeWalter. She's like the best at these ultra marathons okay, right now. I will. She did a two hundred and fifty mile run. She beat the second <laughs> place person by eleven hours she could have had a whole night's sleep and still won the race she's a savage
1: yeah so like is what or is she just like some strange genetic abnormality like this superhuman that's designed to run like that for hours yeah
0: not like days yeah like that would be
1: days how how many hours did she run i
0: think it was 39 hours (laughs)
1: I I don't even know if I could stay awake for 39 (laughs) hours, let alone run for half of that
0: I heard an interview with her and they're like, so what do you do for supplements and health? She's like, I like candy and pizza (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> that's how she and she, yeah look her up she's a savage it'll bl- oh, blow your God. mind so yeah, there's definitely people that i think are anon- an anomalies
1: and anomalies yes yeah. we, c- <laughs> we confuse each yeah. other
0: <laughs> uh, they are anomalies and they yeah. they can do things other people can't jordan mm-hmm. uh uh not jordan uh michael jordan mm-hmm. uh, definitely better you know there's fighters mm-hmm. and and uh you know, Elon Musk. He, yeah, he can't be considered the same as us. There's <laughs> no way. <laughs> totally.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Humans are fascinating. I, I know.
0: So yeah. back to um, William Brennan and the message.
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally. Um, oh, I wanna, I wanna touch on your comment about like the whole. Write it down and set a goal and then oh, you yeah. say it and it happens. For sure. See, I don't really believe that anymore either. You don't? No. Like, did you read <laughs> The Secret when it was all the fad? When was this like I 10 the years video ago? Oh <laughs> god, <yeah>. me
2: too. <laughs>
1: and I wrote my affirmations on the mirror. And I was like, because I grew up so growing up in the message and growing up like a good little Christian wow. girl, like I'd do what what was supposed to work. Like I would just do it every day of my life, yeah, faithfully. Man, when I read The Secret, I wrote those things on the mirror. I said them morning and night. I looked myself in the eyes in the <laughs> mirror. And you know what? I'm stupid. Just doing this. <laughs> like, totally. Like, and after like four years, I remember, of course, nothing changed. Yeah. And I had gone on a date with this guy. During my early like, okay, I have secrets. to ask what
0: you wrote on the mirror. Then <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I wrote things like I'd be I'd be slim. Like in hindsight, I was fine what I was, but yeah. I was like. Yeah. So probably that's why it didn't happen, but you know, I'd be happily married and I'd be a mom and have kids and like, I'd, yeah. I'd have this like dream little house in Parkland that was on the, on Fish Creek Park and I'd have my dog and all this. Yeah. Well, this has never happened yet. Yeah. It probably will one day, but it's not going to be because of me saying <laughs> affirmations. It's going to be because I took actions
0: exactly to move
1: toward that. And that was this guy on the state. I was all like super positive because I'm and like naturally, glass is not just half full, it's like bubbling over, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and we're on the
1: state walking down by the river. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, Carla, I think the bigger thing that that actually makes what happens in our life is the actions we take. Yeah. And I felt a little bit squashed because in my head I was like, no, but like I read the secret. I wrote it on
0: the mirror, stupid. <laughs> Why are you telling me this? <laughs> I
1: totally. I say this morning and night. It's like definitely gonna yeah. happen. He was actually right. <laughs> I think it's a
0: combination because every successful person talks about writing their what yeah. what their success is going to be. And I think that yeah. helps you focus and move towards that mm-hmm. thing, right? If you get up and see it every morning mm-hmm. and then all your decisions are based off of what your mantra is mm-hmm. or what your, um, your goals are, how can it not come true, right?
1: Yeah, because you're taking actions that align with where you want to go if you're doing that, right? That's right, yeah. Like I
0: and I was thinking back to like you're saying about the message and about mm-hmm. the secret and and the, the scripture that says whatever you believe in heart and confess with your mouth will mm-hmm. come true. I don't think you believed it.
1: I love that you say that because I totally agree and I, I understand now that I'm older. Yeah, I didn't think I was lovable, so that would be impossible for a person who doesn't at their core believe they're lovable. Right? How the heck are they going to end up in a loving relationship? Yeah, they're you gotta not. love yourself first. Totally. Yeah. So. Yeah, and these books, I mean, granted, you can read it in an hour, so they can't really get (laughs) into the in-depth things. Yeah, I think they're missing a
0: few steps inside the book. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) From step one, writing it down, to step nine, you're successful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And There was, like, the whole movement when I was, like, hardcore into The Secret, and then there was a movement after about... It led to a thing that was called victim blaming. So it was like, mm. you got raped. Clearly you created this, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And so you could take it to the other side where it's like, well, there's something wrong with me because I've done my affirmations morning and night for four years and yeah. nothing has shifted. It's It's got to be me. Right. So there's like that balance in everything in life. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I I remember reading the... the um the secret and and watching the videos Mm -hmm. and I thought a lot about winning the lottery. (laughs)
1: Didn't we all?
0: (laughs) Although I didn't play very often. Yeah, like I never bought
1: a ticket, so how is that going to happen? So
0: we shouldn't maybe shit on the the secret because (gasps) (laughs) we didn't do anything we were supposed to do. We (laughs) only wrote it down. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So it's our fault.
1: (laughs) Totally. See? Yeah. Victim blaming is totally legit. (laughs) There you go. Um, Yeah, no,
0: I, you know what? I I think there's some good principles inside the secret and Mm -hmm. there's some good principles probably inside the message and... Mm -hmm. You know, there's good principles in every religion. I've Mm -hmm. uh, had Muslim people on the show. Mm -hmm. I have Muslim friends, um, Catholic Mm -hmm. friends, like all these Mm -hmm. uh, Jewish friends. They all have some good messages in what they're trying to do. And most of them are trying to make this world a better place, or at least the people around them living Mm -hmm. in a better situation. Totally. I don't want to poop on anyone that believes in the message. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm the
1: same way. And like, for sure, a lot of the good things about who I am as a person came from that. And, and that's also a lot of my friends are, are still, they believe the message and that is, that's what they believe. And I don't at all discount that they don't see something real there.
0: And there's power in that belief. Mm -hmm. So whether, you know, to say a religion is wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, there might be factions of it or parts of it that mm-hmm. are wrong. And, and uh, I think there's some stuff that is, that maybe we don't totally understand about mm-hmm. each religion and we we see it in a bad light mm-hmm. um, because we don't have 30 years to study every single religion yeah. and every single culture and why they wrote that and why they mm-hmm. do this. And so, um, you know, we, we pick Our culture and our path Mm -hmm. in life and you know you Mm -hmm. did the message and now you're not
1: yeah totally
0: and obviously it works for some people
1: yeah it does yeah yeah like for me it was very um i remember ministers saying that um reasoning was of the devil so like that had a huge impact for me i'm a person i'm so curious about everything i've always been since i was a like, little kid.
0: You don't know that I understand the definition of that. So when you say reasoning is of the devil, so, like, I trying to figure out mm-hmm. the, the why something works, you're just supposed to blindly believe? Well,
1: yeah, like, so, so science was viewed as of the devil. Okay. Um, and, and the, um, psychology, and, um, and I remember saying to people, I'm like, and, and actually... I listened to a lot, lots of William Branham's sermons. Cause I was like a good, this good little girl. Yeah. And I remember him saying in one place that like a doctor, a, the doctor doesn't do the healing it's God, but yeah. a doctor would set your bone and then the, the life force within you will heal that bone. Yeah. And I remember even saying, cause I had a lot of counseling in my early twenties and I remember people being like, Oh, that's really dangerous territory, Carla. And, um, but i remember saying well my spirit is broken it's like a broken bone i need help right and i knew that about myself but there was this like internal fight because so what what i took that statement to mean was that reasoning or questioning something was was bad so for me it stifled the ability to question and for me to be really solid in what i do believe and what i don't believe and so that took years for for that to come out in my life where I did allow myself to question without feeling guilty about it.
0: Well, when you say your spirit's broken, that's like a, a sadness or a depression mm-hmm. or anxiety. It's a it's a mental illness of mm-hmm. some sort. And if you don't believe that you can reason and find a solution to it, then how do you get out of
1: it? Yeah, like you're so stuck in your own head. Yeah. And I, for sure, I was depressed. I, I think I was depressed for most of my life.
3: Yeah.
1: And um, my mom... When I was a baby, she was severely depressed. I was a third. And um, she told me when I was in my early teens that when I was a baby, she wanted to kill me and kill herself because she didn't know how to go on with her life. And now I understand as an adult, like for sure... I was raised, my mother was extremely depressed. And so that, you can read the studies and things, how that transfers onto children that are raised by someone depressed. For sure, yeah. It it
0: becomes a culture in your household, Totally, That, you know, you're supposed to not be excited. You're supposed to, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that anyone ever thinks those words, but Mm -hmm. if you grow up in darkness, you would just acclimate to the darkness right and so that's what the the sadness the depression the anxiety is is whatever's around you just acclimate to that like well that works for mom I guess and so I'll do that
1: yeah like it's continually there and so as a little kid I had my whole private life in my head and stuff which children always do I think so yeah (laughs) we all we all did when we were little but yeah, I was sad for most of my life. I tried, I tried to kill myself when I was 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mom and dad and the, the rest of the siblings went to a church barbecue. Yeah. And I stayed home. And <laughs> it's ridiculous in hindsight. But I at the time, I'd read some book from the library. Like, if you drank alcohol and took drugs together... It was this magic potion to <laughs> take you to Never Never Land, like as in Which permanently, is right? What a
0: 13 year old would believe. <laughs> you
1: would think that, right? Yeah. And so they all went off, and I took the cooking alcohol, I drank it all, and I took oh. all the painkillers we had, wrapped myself up in blankets, because I also had read. That when you died, your bowels let loose, and I didn't oh. want to leave a mess for my family, <laughs> so I like oh wrapped my myself goodness. up in this cocoon. Yeah, took my took my concoction, which was tasted terrible, right? And then woke up a few hours later.
3: Yeah, I remember Just my hung over, <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> dehydrated, right?
1: Yeah. And my mom, I remember her. I was sitting on the couch, and she was so angry, and she was like yelling, and and dad didn't know what to think, and mom's saying like you know getting drunk is not the solution to your problems and and remember in my head like I didn't say it out loud but in my head I was thinking I wasn't trying to get drunk I was trying to off myself right but I'm so glad yeah. that I didn't and yeah, that I didn't too. do it up- <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but it's just the my experience of my upbringing and the religion and all of that was was very lonely
2: yeah
1: and it was not um it was not something that led Easily to create successes in my life. So it felt like it was a lot of hard, like grappling around to get, to get to where I am even today.
0: I think most people know that my family goes to church and we're in a Mm -hmm. Christian church and, um, you know, my kids come with me and there's times Mm -hmm. that they don't. And, you know, it's not a rule that they have to come, but it's a bit of an expectation, Mm -hmm. but it's not like, you know, we don't use it as a punishment Mm -hmm. where like, well, you swore today, so you're going to go to hell. Like I would mm-hmm. never do that. And I think mm-hmm. in a lot of religious organizations, they use the the Bible or their their holy book as mm-hmm. a punishment. Like, well, you're this person, so we're going to put you in that category. Mm-hmm. And I think that could drive a lot of kids into depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I'm not really that person. I just did that one thing. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't don't put me into that mm-hmm. uh, that category, right? Mm-hmm. it's like uh, when you fail at something and you're not a failure, you just failed mm-hmm. at that one thing,
1: mm-hmm. right? And you learned. And I yeah. think
0: too much religion... Um, and maybe that's the right term is that Mm -hmm. just pushing that religion on somebody is actually harmful Mm -hmm. where they come to church and we know everyone there we like, and we like hanging around with, Mm -hmm. and we love the, the pastor. He challenges us, he builds us up. And then my kids come back and they'll take something from that, but it's Mm -hmm. not like they have to take something or they're going to be punished if they don't, or that they're, um, uh, I don't know, ostracized or, or, or made to feel bad because mm-hmm. they didn't get it. I had my daughter tell some kid to ride a scooter into traffic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got to remember that. That's a good one. <laughs> it gets, and I won't
0: tell the whole story, but you know, she, she had lost her mind over something this boy mm-hmm. said to one of her friends and, yeah. and she, I think for a second thought he should die for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> pa-
1: and, well, we'll say she's a passionate young woman. <laughs> she was, she was very <laughs>
0: upset that he had said something derogatory about her friend.
1: I Get it? I beat I up a boy. Her. behind chased him, caught him behind the teacher's desk, pounded him because he insulted my sister. So uh, I totally get uh, it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And you know, she's not a bad person because yeah. of it. And you know, she didn't get punished. So I'm like,
1: eh, maybe we won't
0: do that next time. <laughs> she's like, okay, and yeah. she apologized, and it all went away. Like, it's right. good. she realized her mistake and yeah. said, nah, I'm not doing that again. Well,
1: these are these things are like important for for developing into a civilized human being. Right. Like that, you can't just go and kill someone or. <laughs> <laughs> Send wish them, to death on them wish them to ride their scooter. Like yeah. scooter, Chad. I mean, this is serious business. It's a scooter. It's yeah.
0: <laughs> a <laughs> track Air track is the boot. Whoa, right? whoa, There's whoa, a car whoa. every six or seven <laughs> like, minutes here.
1: Settle down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd have to actually wait to get hit by a car in airdrie. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? The the How else are they supposed to learn without making those mistakes? Yeah, right? that with,
1: violence is not the solution. Right. Mm-hmm. She, she
0: tried it. She said the stuff to the boy. <laughs> it didn't change anything for her so that's that's where she was and she apologized to the mom and to the boy and she was brought to the principal's office and she dealt with it mm-hmm. the way you have to so mm-hmm. yeah there's this culture where religions are forcing it upon kids and telling them mm-hmm. what they have to think or at least i sort of get that they want their kids to believe the same thing as them but mm-hmm. why aren't they listening to the questions and you know the reasoning thing, mm-hmm. right? The reason they set that out in the message is because mm-hmm. it didn't make sense. So they didn't want anyone questioning
1: it. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah, totally. So it stifles that. I remember I was like reading my Bible every day for years. I've read it cover to cover seven times, actually.
0: Is it is it the same Bible that most Christian churches we like read an, N- NLV? read the King James. Yeah, yeah,
1: the King James Version. And um, I read this, uh, I was in my... Probably early teens, and I read this horrific story in the Old Testament. I should have looked it up. I, I did. I didn't know where our conversation would go, was, and I don't remember. I used <laughs> to remember. We never it was. do. Yeah, right? <laughs> I think it was like Second Kings or whatever. But um, this this man, he takes, and he's one of God's people, and he takes his concubine. Which, like, when you when you actually say this out loud, there's so many levels uh, of things wrong I know. here. And he, well, do you want to hear the story of what happened? Yeah. It's R-rated. Okay, that's good. Okay, sweet. I
0: already swore, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I heard that totally. Yeah. yeah, so he takes his concubine to visit her Her dad. I'm paraphrasing, so there could be some things off. But th- okay. the gist of it, this is what you'll read if you read the story. Yeah. Yeah. Goes to the mountains, visits the dad, and when they leave, they're they're talking too long along the way, so they're not going to get home that same night. So they stop in this t- this uh, city of Benjamites
3: yeah.
1: and um, need somewhere to stay. And there is this this man of the city who's like, Oh, you this in this city, you better not sleep on the streets. Like, come and and l- stay with me in my house." So they do, and as soon as night falls, the men of the city pound on the door and, and demand that he throws the man out because they want to know him. And you know, like the biblical term, you know what? Knowing it. They're going to
0: know him the not so pleasant way for a man that's not gay. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Totally.
1: And so this is how ridiculous the story is, right? So the man who owns the house, he says, no, no, no. Like, how about here? I'll, t- I'll give you my two virgin daughters. And they're like, we do not want your virgin daughters. We want the guy.
0: Those are some aggressive gay guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Literally, right? Or <laughs> I don't even I don't know that even, can we call them gay guys? Or was it like a power, a violent power thing?
0: Yeah, who knows?
1: Yeah. Right? Because yeah. like rape is about power. <clears throat> and so they're pounding on the door. So this, this man who's traveling, he tosses his concubine out. And it says, the men of the city knew her till the light of day. Wow. And when they opened the doors, she was clinging to the doorpost. She was dead. Wow. I was traumatized. Yeah. Like, it was... Here I'm so virginal, too, growing up in the message, and I read this horrific story. I was literally traumatized. Yeah. And the next time I went to church, we had a visiting minister who was, like, higher up the totem pole. Yeah.
0: The big guru.
1: He wasn't the big guru, oh. but a bigger guru, okay. right? Okay. And we're, I remember walking up the front steps of the church, and I said, like... Brother so-and-so, because we called each other brother and sister, like, I read this thing, and I'm so traumatized. And I remember him turning to me and being like, you know what, there's some things in the Bible that are for the minister, like, that's not for you. And that was, like, the first time I ever experienced what I would describe as, like, a rebellious thought. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be a good person. Yeah. but yet i'd also read in the bible and we'd been told that when jesus died and and when you read like the veil of the temple was was rip, ripped in half right. it was so that you and i or anybody could go straight to god we didn't need this middleman right and immediately what that what that meant to me when he said that was like i need a middleman yeah. because i can't myself then read the bible and and like question it out myself I don't have an answer of that story. It's very traumatic. Yeah. And, um yeah, like, I don't know why that story is in there. There must be some symbolism that has gone over my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the, I know the story that you're talking <clears throat> about. I don't know the the reason for it either. I haven't studied it or mm-hmm. looked at the, you know, the, what those words meant at that time mm-hmm. and the translations, like totally. you, you really have to dig in to say, to criticize anything inside there and understand yeah. the culture at the time and where it was and what mm-hmm. those words actually meant. And, um, you know, when it was translated from this to this, what was mm-hmm. lost. And so I, yeah, I, I really find that I think from my standpoint, it's really about you And God. So Mm -hmm. it's not for me to say that you're a bad person if you don't believe, or um, you're going to go to hell if you do this. It's written there. Mm -hmm. We all know what the story is. Mm -hmm. And for me, all this stuff lines up. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes sense for me personally. Mm-hmm. So when I read, or I shouldn't say that, there's some things that does, don't make sense to me yet, but that could mm-hmm. just be my lack of understanding mm-hmm. and my lack of time to study and dig into that. And you know, mm-hmm. I'll hear a pastor talk about a story, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know from that point of view or that that's what it was talking about. Because mm-hmm. there's only so many hours in a day, and unless you're mm-hmm. a pastor or a theologian, um, you can't dig deep enough into these stories. Yeah,
1: and like even them, they have one life. Right. It's interesting because I, it's just now chatting about this, Chad, it occurred to me, like, I think one thing for me with growing up in the message was there was this idea of perfection that you're supposed to strive to be. Yeah. But when you read the biblical stories, or for that matter, any, any stories of history... Humans, it's a mess. Like, there is just no perfection anywhere. Yeah,
0: we're not good critters.
1: No, not at all. There's fighting, there's rape, there's like all this stuff going on. And that's actually not just in the Bible. This is called like the history of humankind. We get caught up in that. I remember somebody saying once, like, in the message there was an idea um, that As a woman, you'd be like the helpmeet, right? Like a server, and you'd be kind and gentle. The
0: helpmeet?
1: Yeah, it's a term from the Bible. I've never heard that. Yeah, like she was supposed to be helping Adam, right? Yeah. So it almost seems like they're a little bit, women are a little bit subservient, and they're this like meek and mild, kind and organized woman. Like I'm I'm all the other things. So I was at war with who I am. Right. Like fundamentally who I am as a human being, I was at war with that. Yeah growing up and through my teens and my 20s. But I remember saying to somebody once, because obviously I reason and I'll, I will notice patterns and stuff. And I've been doing that since I was a kid. Yeah. Like I remember saying to somebody, have you read the genealogy of Jesus? Like the only women, I don't know, Chad, if you have, it's so interesting. I don't remember off the top of my head anymore because I've been out of this for so long now, like the last several years. The women, the only women that were listed, and women were not listed historically in the Jewish genealogies. It was men that were listed. But yet in Jesus' genealogy, there's Rahab. She's a harlot. There's Bathsheba. I mean, we all say that David was the dirty dog watching the naked (laughs) women bathing from the roof. Well, she knew full well that a guy was watching and she was strutting her stuff down there in the bath. And there was like Ruth who went and when the guy was tanked, slept under his robe so right. that she could trick him into marriage, yeah. all the women that are listed in Jesus's genealogy are scandalous. <laughs> these are not these perfect, <laughs> meek and mild, like good little organized, sweet, kind little Christian right. women. These women were like powerhouses. They were strange. And they did, oh, Tamar's mentioned.
3: Hmm, I don't Do remember Do you know that the story one. of her? Nope.
1: So yeah, like, okay, this one's a winner. Her husband dies and leaves her childless. Yeah. And in the Jewish history, she is promised that the next brother is hers so that she can bear children to her first husband's name. And the next brother's like, hell no. (laughs) So (laughs) because she's just this like widow, right? She has no power. So guess what she does? Hmm. She goes to the town where her father-in-law travels for business, dresses up like a harlot, guess who comes through town and uses the the local harlot?
0: Her father-in-law. Her
1: father-in-law. So he doesn't have money to pay her. Like, yeah, he knew that before he went in and used her (laughs) services too even, right? So that she takes from him his staff and his signet ring. Yeah. And later when when he sends one of his guys back with payment, the harlot is gone. And the people of the town are like, no, there is no harlot in this town. Next thing they know, Tamar is knocked up. Oh, we're going to stone her. We're going to kill her. She's this bad person. And that's when she pulls out this ring and the staff and is like, dude.
0: Yeah. It's, it's your the- baby. Yeah. That's like a soap opera. It
1: is. <laughs> totally. And like that that child yeah. who she had with her father-in-law is one of the people in the genealogy of Jesus. Oh, wow. Like that's a scandalous story.
0: That is. So- <laughs> as, as we're talking, like I... <laughs> I, know, I believe in culture and, and you know, your upbringing will make mm-hmm. you, so you grew up in this culture of the message. Your, mm-hmm. your dad was a pastor for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was your entire life, but you were completely different. So mm-hmm. where did that completely different come from that, those thought mm-hmm. processes? Cause how,
1: how yeah. do you get something outside of the only thing you know? You know what I mean? That's a great question, Chad. Yeah. Because the interesting thing is I pretended to myself that I was that, yeah. but the truth is when I look back now, I think it actually started with when we talk back to that whole um yeah. And as a side note, I'm not going to forget my thought. Sorry, I scared I shared some scandalous <laughs> biblical stories here <laughs> okay. on your podcast. <laughs> People- must be I, I like I had friends
0: say some pretty pretty crude things on here. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> no one no one's listening is shy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and
1: now they're going to be like, "Okay, I did not know." Yeah. Maybe uh, you got
0: more people to read the Bible though.
1: Yeah, there you go. There's some good <laughs> stories. Oh yeah, like there is there is. There's it's riveting actually when yeah. you read it. It's so it's so it's entertaining. Yeah. And uh mildly shocking at times. <laughs> 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 um I think actually it traces back so and actually, this is funny. It might be why this whole Reasonings of the Devil irked me personally, because I had this my own private little life in my head since I was little. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was, I was about two. Yeah. And this, this might sound to people unbelievable, so I want to preface it by saying I talked... In full sentences and walked by the time I was 10 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, mom said it was strange. It was this, I was tiny as well.
3: Yeah. This
1: little kid zooming around under the table had decorative legs and I went under the legs talking in full sentences. Yeah. So that is strange.
0: Yeah. Are you the oldest?
1: I'm the middle of five.
0: Middle of five. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah. So my two older sisters, they are three and a half and four and a half years older than me. i I remember when I was two running down the hallway to play with them yeah. and them yelling, you like, get lost and slamming the door. <laughs> and I didn't realize until later I was unpacking this in the last year or so unpacking like how different things that happened as a child impact how I operate as an adult. And right. so that I'm not, they're not owning me anymore, but that I have power over them and I can, I can like direct my life more successfully as an adult. Yeah, And, um, it's so funny because I had imaginary friends as a little kid. And it was Dana and Jane, sister and mailman. And we moved to Canada when I was two and a half. And these four imaginary friends, I mean, they were kick-ass. They came to Canada with us.
0: <laughs> you can't ask for better friends than I know, that. <laughs> right?
1: They were the best friends. Like, they up and move with you when you <laughs> move to another country. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> right? And it's, it's funny because I remember overhearing as a little kid discussions that, like, was I being... Tormented by a demon, right? Like who I'm talking to, these imaginary friends.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, when I actually looked there into different defining moments of my life, that being told to get lost by my big sisters, I'm I'm resilient and I'm like bubbly happy and creative. Like that's who I am. And so what would a little two-year-old like that do? You just went and made your own friends. Right. It like easy peasy. But I had this imaginary life talking to my own friends continually since I was two. I remember mom saying, "I wish you were a radio; I could shut you off." (laughs) (laughs) Like it really hurt my feelings at the time.
3: Yeah,
1: but it's like, yeah, I talked continually to these friends, and I I remember I had a conversation with the Queen once because the town we lived in in Saskatchewan, the Queen was coming. Nice. We were cleaning the Royal Bank (laughs) in the (laughs) evening. My dad and my two older sisters were going to clean the bank. I'm vacuuming. Yeah, having this great conversation with the queen. And I remember after my oldest sister was like, Carla, we heard, she was trying to hurt my feelings. We we're fighting over something. She's like, we heard everything. I'm like, what? It's like, the conversation with the queen, we heard it all. And I was like, I'm sure I turned beet red and I was yeah. like, no, you didn't. She's like, Carla, you were talking louder over the vacuum so you could hear yourself. We heard everything. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> wow. so. But this is where this like reasoning that was going on, where yeah. I was super observant through my life. So though I didn't allow myself to question it my own um my own reasoning and thinking skills and critical thinking was being developed on my own at a very early age. Yeah. Like we didn't have television, there was no secular music. Um we didn't even start watching movies until I was about 11 or 12. Okay. Um and I was homeschooled. Yeah. Not I went to public school until I I uh grade 8 I was 13. And um, then you
0: were homeschooled?
1: Yeah. My oldest sister had run away from home and there was so many issues. Mom and dad pulled us out of the public school system. Yeah. But we lived Is on... it
0: because they were blaming the system? Is it they just didn't have time to <clears> get <throat> everyone where they... Like, what was the reasoning? <clears throat> Do you know?
1: They... So, I remember mom saying that when the teachers had called her to say she was not um, at school, she said, yeah, she's run away from home. And so mom was so angry that they, ha- they were calling her after Rochelle was already gone. Hmm. Yeah. And so it was like their, their knee jerk reaction was to pull us out of school and try to do something different. Cause this, like the world was what was messing us up. I mean, and, and there's like a whole nother story. It, it had nothing to do with going to public school. What was going on in our family was so fractured.
3: Yeah,
1: It was public school was the least of our concerns. But then I already was a loner, had no friends. I didn't know how to have friends. Like I had friends in the church and our, fami- our extended family. Yeah. But I lived in this imaginary world. And we would have, um, we'd get National Geographic. We had we had National Geographic and Reader's <laughs> Digest subscriptions. Yeah. Like, did mom and dad look at the pictures in National Geographic? <laughs> <Because>
0: <laughs> I know as a young boy, I used to look at the pictures in National <laughs> right? Geographic as... They were quite exciting.
1: Yeah, I remember also being scandalized with that. I'm like, ooh, yeah. It's
0: like this year's catalog.
1: Totally right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'd look at those pictures, and I'd like then whatever was the most interesting pictures was the fantasy I'd live in for the next month. Like, I was on African safaris. I spent many a month yeah. on African safaris <laughs> in my head, <laughs> just trying
0: not to be part of what.
1: Oh yeah, I guess checking out of my own life. Yeah. Yeah. So. This, this would be what I think. Yeah. To answer your question, like, where did this all come from? It came out of my own head. Yeah. How crazy is that?
0: That, That's what I always wonder. Like, you know, people like Elon Musk. He he comes up with these brilliant ideas, and where do those ideas come Mm -hmm. from? And I don't understand that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just we just we don't know the origins of ideas and thoughts and some Mm -hmm. of it can be I'm sure there's people out there screaming mad that we know and I'm like I don't know Yeah, Um, where culture and all these kinds of things will feed into it obviously Mm -hmm. but you know he he comes up with ideas that nobody does and Mm -hmm. and designs that nobody does and where are those coming from I just I just don't get it so you can grow up in a strong religious culture Mm -hmm. like the message or Christianity Mm -hmm. or uh, um, Islam or any of those and then just no, nope, I don't believe that. I don't think mm-hmm. it's true. And and like, why? Why do you not believe that when you grew up and you see mm-hmm. it? And what reason would there be for not believing? Ah,
1: that? yeah. Like for me specifically, just so much pain from it. Yeah. Finally, um, I got. I want to throw this into the conversation. Have you read the book or seen the book? E equals m c squared. No. It is a biography of the equation, the components of the equation, okay, It's such a good read, and it's it quick and easy read, yeah, but one of the things in there um was who was it that came up with the electron that the electron particle I should know this because I've read so many science things, and it's not there right now. He was like sitting and he was thinking and and prior to this moment when he was just sitting there thinking they thought they had the raisin bun theory that they thought electrons were just set like like raisins in a bun okay and he was sitting there thinking on his own and he was like what if it's not that
0: yeah. like
1: what if it's actually that some for some reason they're like rotating around something in the middle and that thought is where it started to change where we now know that's how electrons circ- they circle around this center and we don't mm. even know the nucleus of an atom we don't even fully know what's going on there yeah so I think that this ability, I remember when I read that in the book I was like, oh, this is kind of cool that I had a strange upbringing because I think totally I had not been trained. I had been trained how to think in one way, but on my own I just think my own thoughts. Yeah. And that's like Elon Musk, he just thinks outside the box. Right. So is questioning things, like if that if they hadn't been que- if he hadn't been questioning are the electrons scattered like evenly like raisins in a bun? If he hadn't been questioning something, you would have never actually figured out a huge thing, which set forward other things in motion.
0: Yeah. So is that human nature, or just some of humans' natures? Because not like there's lots of people. I was talking yeah. to this to my wife last night or this morning on how. You know, there's just some people are designed to go work in the factory line and yeah. save their 10% and, and right. live their entire life and, and die and pass on. Like, mm-hmm. they're just the drones. Mm-hmm. They're the the non-important players in mm-hmm. the video game. We need those people for mm-hmm. sure. But then there's the Elon Musk. It's mm-hmm. like there's two different species on the planet or mm-hmm. of humans, or maybe there's multiple and we're just mm-hmm. being narrow-minded. But I just don't... Mm-hmm. I don't know the reasoning behind I'd love to hear somebody's
2: mm-hmm. opinion
0: or if they know why, mm-hmm. why we think so differently. Because culture is important, right? It changes entire countries. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about the end of the Second World War, the reason we have NFL and sports on TV was because people were mad at the government over the war and they needed something to distract them. So they did Army versus Navy. That oh. changed the culture of all of North America. I didn't
1: know that.
0: That's the basis of what we... I Have professional sports, and then someone goes, Oh, I could make money because everyone's watching this, and then it grew, and people bought teams and and moved out from there, right? So that's a cultural thing, it's not something that, um, you know. Maybe somebody had the thought and go, yeah. oh, we need to distract everybody. Mm-hmm. Let's pump up this Army versus Navy football game. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's it goes into the pros. Mm-hmm. So culture is strong, mm-hmm. like really, really strong. If you mm-hmm. look at uh, North American, and I'm going to say men, but North Americans say as a whole that mm-hmm. watch football, it's probably a good percentage of mm-hmm. them, you know, or hockey yeah. or basketball. And the purpose is to distract the population. Totally. I think they did it a little bit at the Roman times with the, the gladiator games yeah. and, and stuff like that, but not to the...
1: Extent that's going on now. Right. Yeah, like that's interesting. Is it something that there's conscious thought or is it like a, a cyclical <sighs> way that society and civilization goes? I don't know.
0: Or is it just a few very, very manipulative people that Perhaps. know how to lead the sheep?
1: Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm very passionate about leaders being good because they, uh, because of, like you say, um, and I'm hesitant to even say this, like the drones, the people that work in factories, because without without the value of human nature, or sorry, human, human nature, humankind as a whole, without valuing evenly across the board, I mean, that's what leads to all these atrocities on the planet. So it's like... The fact that I had the ability to reason on my own, it's like some, I feel like it's some kind of gift that was given me.
0: I was just going to say it's got to be a gift that some Mm -hmm. people get, then others don't. Like Elon Mm -hmm. Musk has got a gift, Mm -hmm. right? There's one of the things, especially having a podcast, is thinking Mm -hmm. about how, what's the right way to talk and that you, that, that'll get the most amount of people listening, right? Mm -hmm. So, how can a song hypnotize? Mm -hmm. 50,000 people in a stadium. Mm -hmm. It's got a power over them, right? Right. Hitler had a power with his voice. Mm -hmm. The words that he used and the tones and the inflections, he got a whole country or Mm -hmm. majority of the country on board to do some pretty horrific things. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So there's a power inside that. Mm -hmm. And and maybe it's just a gift. Maybe it's not learnable. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not uh, Mm -hmm. giveable.
1: Well, like Hitler, it seemed like he was able to he was able to reciprocate back to the masses how unhappy they were. I mean, their employment was so high and also they're like looking for a scapegoat. Yeah. And he seemed to have the gift and, and like my view of my knowledge of what happened there, I want to acknowledge is so tiny, tiny, right? (laughs) But it seemed like he had the ability to reciprocate back exactly what people were already saying. So he had, he had a gift in that. And, yeah, I don't. I don't have the answer. Or is it that like we have these common human experiences, and and certain people are able to tap into that and express it in a way that creates this, these mass followings?
0: You were talking about leaders thinking about them as being innately good. And we know that's not true. Right? No, I don't yeah.
1: think they are. I think that they should be. Like, I right. wish we lived on a planet where <laughs> leaders were fostered and raised up to be good. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is not the planet that's we live on. But I'd like to see on. that. It's this crazy glasses bubbling over thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and
0: and I think it was the, the 50s or 60s, there was a book, and I, I'm not going to remember the name of it, written on leadership. Mm-hmm. And it was, the whole book was designed around being a good person, Mm -hmm. you know, being morally strong, being there Mm -hmm. for people, helping out, giving, being that true leader, helping Mm -hmm. people up. And then in the 70s, someone wrote a book saying, well, if you act like that guy, Mm -hmm. you could be a leader. So you didn't have to be that guy. Mm -hmm. All you had to do was say the same words as him Mm -hmm. and be in the same places as him. And people would just assume that you're that Mm -hmm. type of person. So there was Mm -hmm. this, um, uh, changing culture in business where if I mm-hmm. acted a certain way, I would move up the ladder ahead mm-hmm. of everyone else, even if I wasn't that person. Mm. Which is scary to think that, I don't want to say we're weak-minded, but maybe we're easily deceived that uh, yeah. right? someone can come in and just act like a leader and they get to be a leader.
1: Totally. Or is it like some of these theories, somebody's like sitting, you know, they're sitting there drinking, drinking beer and they're like, hey, what if this? And then they write a book and they're like, like, is it a lot of it just a bunch of experimentation? It's like throwing spaghetti against against the wall and some of it's just shit
0: through a screen door and just see what's totally right. Like
1: that could be what it is. You know, I had this thought recently about, um, Bezos, you know how he wants to investigate. How do we get to where we're living on another planet? Yeah. And then I was thinking, I'm like, oh my god, like, does that actually mean that he's given up on this planet? That he's ready <laughs> to move on? Right. To think that. I don't know. Like that's the random thought that popped into my head. And then yeah. I was like, oh my god, we actually we need people to somehow get to him because he's got money and influence, and be like, no, like. I think that this planet is still saveable. I hope it is. I hope it is. And I got kids. They're going right? to have
0: kids. And um, I want it to be a good mm-hmm. place for, for as many people as yeah.
1: possible. Yeah. And so, like, instead of trying to figure out how to live on another planet. And, like, that's going to take resources from this planet. Yeah. Which is its a, its own complete ecosystem. Right. You can't just take things from it and imagine it's not going to have an impact here. It's like, why don't we figure out together how to make the home that we all share, hospitable for all of <laughs> I know, us. I know, <laughs> I uh,
0: I really hope that's not what they're doing it. And, you know, Elon Musk being a big part of that. Yeah. Um, I think his, someone was saying just recently, I don't remember where I heard it, where he had sent a a letter or an email out to Mm -hmm. all of his, uh, staff worldwide saying, Mm -hmm. we're not doing very good. We're trying to save the planet here. Like Ah. this has to be your, so that's what's inside Mm -hmm. of his head is just about saving this planet, right? Getting away from, um, Fossil fuels mm-hmm. and pollutants and wasting mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. So there are people I think working on it. And maybe mm-hmm. uh is it Jeff Bezos Bezos? Bezo, Bezos. Bezos. Well yeah. yeah is it? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. Don't quote now. me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that
0: that, you know, maybe he wants off the planet. He just doesn't have the the belief that we're gonna be good in the end. Or, and probably
1: he doesn't know what to do. Like that's,
0: I That's gotta be cultural too, right? Who's yeah. around him that's got him so upset he wants to get off the planet?
1: Right? <laughs> Or was it like a flippant comment that he said and then my mind ran with it?
0: That could be true too.
1: <laughs> I think
0: we're all um, a little bit on the insane side. The way we interpret <laughs> and what do we believe. And Oh, yeah. I uh, in, in Early on in my marriage, me and my wife were fighting mm-hmm. and I said, you're crazy. She goes, you know you're crazy too, right? Takes and one went, to know one. Oh, yeah. Maybe I am. <laughs> or from her point of view, I'm crazy. And yeah. from my point of view, she's crazy. So totally. So that's what we're doing. We're just... Bezos is looking at the general population going oh these are a bunch of monkeys like <laughs> and all y'all are flinging crazies. shit everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and that is oh awful. my
1: goodness. yeah totally
0: how do we get off on outer <laughs> space you know what I'm excited about so people uh, I had a couple guests that kind of <laughs> gave me a hard time because I'm not a big reader um, I'm doing more of it now because they've given me a hard time so I fall to peer pressure don't ask me to do drugs <laughs> probably will yo Chad want
3: to <laughs>
1: do drugs
0: later <laughs> exactly. we'll wrap up up in a blanket in case we shit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: like, I mean, we don't want to leave our family with a mess to clean up.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, Elon Musk was talking about our download speed is bad, right? Like, how mm-hmm. long does it take for you to right. read a book? And, uh-huh. and, you know, even when you're listening, you can mm-hmm. do it faster. And that's yeah. why I listen to podcasts and mm-hmm. books on tape and stuff like that, because I can get information in faster. Yeah. He's talking about us being sort of like sidebars. So with our mm-hmm. cell phones right now, we're mm-hmm. already sort of attached to those. Mm-hmm. But the interface between the phone and us is no good. It's still really slow. So he's developing something that is going to change that interface. Hmm. And I went, I'm in. I want it. Whatever it is, sign me up. Put a hole in the back of my head, plug Pop in, in. A, a matrix wire, and yeah. just start feeding me jiu like, I don't lessons. need my own critical
1: thinking. No. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't. I want information so bad that I'd be willing just, to let them just, just poke a hole in my head. Like, and let's just IV me up. Download it. Totally. Just shoot it in there. <laughs> See how full you can get it. That's what I
1: want. Well, you've got 90% of your brain left to fill up, Chad.
0: That's what I hear. Yeah. I think they're starting to double, or they're starting to think that's not true anymore.
1: We use 20% or 12 I don't I don't know. Yeah, I have an answer for your for your other guest who was like read books, read books, okay. read books. Feel like, dude, <laughs> That's why we're friends. Yeah, you tell me. If I read books, yeah, I would
0: need to be part of your life.
1: You love to read books, and I like to chat about them. Like (laughs) this is a (laughs) win-win.
0: I'm remembering that totally right.
1: He's assuming we all need to be the same, and oh, that just doesn't work. (laughs) I'm not.
0: I'm not encouraging people to stop reading. Just no. I know. (laughs) Hey, uh,
1: one of my one of my friends is one of the smartest guys I know. He hates reading. So, like, who cares? Some people right. read and others don't. And it doesn't have any... It really doesn't mean anything about intelligence level.
0: Well, think. So, how old is reading and writing on our planet? can be very long. Like, twelve, fifteen hundred
1: 1,500
0: years old? Well, they were already tops. scratching
1: stuff, though, right? So, they were trying to communicate... But it wasn't an with,
0: actual language.
1: I should know this. Like, I have seen that stone in the Grand Cairo Museum. Yeah. But I don't remember. Do you know
0: about Gobekli Tepe?
1: No. So
0: it's, um, I'm not going to say where it is because I don't remember exactly where it K. is. Um, <laughs> I want to say it's in the Middle East, but maybe it's South America. Mm-hmm. It's probably South America. But anyways, it's this 25,000, I think it's 25 or 30,000 year old civilization that got buried in sand. Oh my. And like there, it is a well-developed, it's not a hunter-gatherer type, mm. it's a city. So mm-hmm. take a chance and look it up. And next time you come on, we'll talk about it. Okay, done. Go back. Lee Can Nappy. you
1: text me how that's spelt? I'll
0: try to... Say it into my phone and let it, it. tell me how. Oh yeah, <laughs> G Go O back B happy. <laughs> uh, I think that's what it is. Anyways, I'll do it after. So the show. cool.
1: I am fascinated by like civilizations that lived before us. Yeah, and it's also like I think it's so ridiculous that we're like we're so smart. We know all this stuff. It's like what a joke. Like
0: we're barely surviving now. <laughs> and we have all the technology. Totally, <laughs> right? right.
1: It's like. Yeah like i I love to travel, and I've seen a lot of places and I remember when I was walking through Pompeii, also I have a really good imagination, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> well it may or may not have happened yes, right <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I remember I was walking there and uh and like you read the stories right like back then the the streets would have just like ran with like horses droppings and when yeah. it was rainy, like just mucking they had these big stones. So they were set far enough apart that the horses and with their little carriages could go between them and then people could hop over on the top to cross the roads and all this, like, so fascinating. And remember they when I was...
0: overpasses.
1: Kind of. Okay. Yeah, like they had like a hopscotch to cross this dirty road. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like, okay. Yeah. There was like Not sidewalks. An overpass, and, but yeah, like... Yeah, no, like you'd cross this busy road, but you'd hop on these like round rocks in the yeah. middle so that you wouldn't get your feet in this junk that was running down the middle. And... um Yeah, when I was walking around, it was almost like I could hear it. And this is, if it's my imagination, this is how kick-ass my imagination is. Like, I could literally hear the bustle around me and, like, the the voices and, like, the industry and, like, horses going by and people yelling and selling stuff. And, like, what I was seeing with my eyes was this totally empty, cleaned-out place, just stone just like the remnants of the walls of their buildings and the etchings that are still there that you can see. And it was like people lived and died. They had their whole lives and their passions and their, the people they wished would go into traffic on their scooter. And like they had their <laughs> whole lives. Right. And they're just gone. Yeah. Just gone.
0: Okay. So you bring up something that uh, I'm not sure what I believe, but I talk about it a mm-hmm. lot. Memory in mm-hmm. inanimate objects. Mm. So I've done lots of renovations. Mm-hmm. You own a renovation company. Yeah. Um, I've been in houses before where you mm-hmm. feel different inside the house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I really feel nothing to back this up other than mm-hmm. my imagination is that there's memory in mm-hmm. inanimate objects. So mm-hmm. whether it's a ghost or a spirit or um, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it. But have you ever been in a place like almost Pompeii. like you? where you just it was have a port
1: city yeah like bustling
0: yeah it's totally mm-hmm. different than being in a mm-hmm. new city or being in the forest mm-hmm. like i know when i i've been in rainforest in um northern australia mm-hmm. and i'm like not many people have been here. Mm-hmm. It just it you you just feel like there's mm-hmm. not there's never been people around. And then I right. was in a house in uh, or a building in Alabama. It had graffiti from 1904, so it was wow. old in 1904. You know, it wasn't well taken. Wow. I know. So with this this building, I was just in awe. Like you look at the fireplace and you think about those stones from
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, whatever hundred and maybe 150 200 mm-hmm. years prior to me being there mm-hmm. there was somebody that cut those stones mm-hmm. and mortared them in place and they're still there there mm-hmm. has to be something in that
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you think do you do you feel that or think there's
1: that is like whoa i'm going to have to think about this i've never <laughs> like i love that thought i've never thought that particular thought before so i'm not quite sure what to even say and it's like my personal experience is I guess I would lean towards, I could see that as being some kind of a yes. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't know. Like, is it the inanimate object or is it like that there's our, we have a spirit that stays? I don't know.
0: Energy. Like, where does the energy go when you die? Yeah. Where does it go?
1: I thought it just went into the earth and came back up in a tree or a plant or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Energy is never lost. It's just uh, No, like I'm being flippant, but I'm not really sure. And I've been other places, um, like I've been places in India that would have been also a bustling city and a place that was just completely grown over by the jungle. And I didn't feel that there. Hmm. So I don't know if like, maybe it was just my imagination that Pompeii was like such a cool place in my mind growing up that it's like, it's like all these ashes just covered. Like right. the movie is so wrong <laughs> <laughs> that that when I was watching the real it, story
0: doesn't sell that well. So we'll, no, like make
1: ashes. It. But actually, I saw because I tagged along behind this when I was in Pompeii. I tagged along behind this university group, and so I listened to what the professor was saying. And so it was cool because literally, when they would be carefully excavating the ash. Anywhere there'd been organic materials, they just disintegrated to the point that there was just this void left. Hmm. And so for sure, some of the voids, they didn't know when they were taking the ash out and they they missed stuff, like they destroyed this opening. Once they started to figure that out, as soon as they'd get to one, they'd pump it full of something kind of like plaster, let it set, and then they'd brush away the ash. And they that's why the, the bodies and stuff, they're, like, perfect. You can even see the one guy had, like, a wispy mustache. And this is the most interesting one that I saw. A dog that had a collar with a chain. Like, it had chain link. And this dog, they said they found it on top of a pile of what was, like, kind of like cinders. Like, what blew out of um, the cinder block at the top of the volcano at the start would have been these chunks. And it was this really light... Um, it's it's a volcanic stone very light will float on water it's full of air. Okay. Or yeah like air pockets oh, tiny little I've ones have heard about in it.
0: this type of stone, yeah. I don't yeah. remember the name of it.
1: So this dog when they found it it was on this pile of this stone. So what had happened what they think had happened was and and the dog literally has its back paw up under this collar thing.
0: Like trapped or like it was trying to get scratching. it off its head. Oh.
1: So this dog had like gone to the top of the the these like cinder things. They wouldn't have been burning. Yeah, Chain stopped it and that's where it finally suffocated and died and was covered in ash. But it's like, literally, it's trying to get its own collar off. off. Like, that is just wild.
0: That is wild. I, uh, I get blown away by what happens on this planet. I'm trying to, I think it's Dr. Graham something. He talks about um, Uh, the massive floods that happen on our planet Mm -hmm. that that he believes there were from asteroidal impact with the Mm -hmm. planet. And we're due for one, which is scary because I don't know if you know this or not, but twice a year, earth flies Mm -hmm. through an asteroid field, I think for seven days. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do this every year, twice Mm -hmm. a year, we fly through it where we're in a shooting gallery basically. And then you start Googling stuff like how many asteroids hit Mm -hmm. earth. And it's a lot, a lot more Mm -hmm. than we would imagine. (laughs) But he takes the way the land looks now. So like mm-hmm. take a shot of Saskatchewan mm-hmm. and that's very similar to the bottom of an ocean mm-hmm. because Saskatchewan used to be under an ocean, right? right? Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about, well, when did this happen and how does it line up with the stories that we grew up with? Mm-hmm. Or was it the new birth of mm-hmm. of what we know now? And someone was doing a, a breakdown or a, a definition of the Bible and then was talking about that Adam and Eve wasn't the, the birth of human beings, but mm-hmm. it was the start of an era. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a new group of humans that mm-hmm. had more revelation or, or um, education, or mm-hmm. th- they were just a, a different mm-hmm. style than before. And that could be, I don't know, coming out of Neanderthal to, to mm-hmm. whatever the next one was. I don't know. So I get super, super interested, and I never have enough time to do this, to mm-hmm. try to line up all these stories and like, mm-hmm. hey, what's the, the, the closest to the real story?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I love, you know, you hear about the, you know, if we didn't have the technology nowadays mm-hmm. and that volcano had gone off in Pompeii, mm-hmm. um, what would people think now if we didn't have that technology? Right. Right. Because the yeah. stuff that we found two thousand years ago, well, those people were
3: mm-hmm.
0: pretty much still just basically monkeys. They had right. no real language and mm-hmm. they had a language they didn't have a real good way of communicating, mm-hmm. like to, to write and store mm-hmm. information.
1: Yeah. It's Yeah, like it is so fascinating. It is a convert, like this conversation will go on for my whole life because I'm fascinated by it. And even like when you think about it, the fact that we're sitting here talking about this and wondering about this and having these questions, when you look at all the rest of living species on this planet, humans are the only ones that have this ability to like reason and talk about it and be like, what, why is this happening and what's going on? Isn't that even like that strike you as kind of?
0: i i quote dr jordan peterson all the time because mm-hmm. i just i'm hooked on him right now but yeah. he talks about uh, people with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and he goes i don't know how everyone doesn't have it we <laughs> know we're gonna die right. and we can see things going wrong so mm-hmm. we can actually see death coming where a mm-hmm. uh, giraffe doesn't know he's gonna mm-hmm. die it's mm-hmm. just all of a sudden, oh shit i got a line on my back
2: mm-hmm. right it, mm-hmm. it's a
0: different we're
2: uh, mm-hmm. I think call
0: it infinite or mm-hmm. infinite creature. Yeah. Uh, where we know. Or finite, yeah. Infinite, yeah, or finite, sorry. Yeah. We understand what the end is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how are we not all anxious? How are we all not depressed and sad and <laughs> torn up knowing we're going to die?
1: Perhaps there's like this ingrained thing in us that is like this ability to push it under the rug. <laughs> so Maybe. we don't walk around thinking yeah. about our but own mortality. But the blinders mortality. on.
0: Do, do, do. I don't <laughs> see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like not my problem. I'll be dead then. Right.
0: <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well, that would explain a lot then, right? How right. our planet ended up where it is.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. we have that in our our culture here in Calgary and in Alberta for sure we have very strong of like it's the next generation's problem. Right. Not not mine yeah. which doesn't work very well that was a north american thing actually because um in um in europe in places like england italy all over like i remember reading when i was taking um, my civil engineering tech at seat that yeah. men would harvest lumber they would cut it in the sizes to build and then they'd stack it in this barn that they'd build and they'd cure it over the next three or four generations to dry it out. Wow. Yeah. That's and some
0: pre-planning.
1: Totally. And like wine in Italy, you were before we had chemicals, this fast food generation, like we in North America have figured out how to speed everything up because yeah. we were like, I want it now. Wine was, was stored for your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. So there used to be this concept of people will come after us and people before me prepped things for me, and that's just part of my role yeah. in humanity as I'm prepping things for the next people that come after me. And we we shifted away from that, like that whole something about the pioneering spirit or something. There's just like we lost that in North American first world culture. We lost that ability to see that people will come after us. And that we've turned around and like, pumped that out to the world as a whole and you can see how the state of our planet, like our planet is crying out for somebody to please st- like halt this. Like,
0: I'm not worried about the planet. Oh, I, I think am. The, I think the planet uh, can deal with itself.
1: It can't. I oh. worry
0: about humanity because right. of what we're doing to the planet.
1: Yes. And actually that clarifies more. You're right. The planet will be fine. You're right. planet will
0: win every time.
1: Totally, because you're like fighting. Go <laughs>
0: well, ask the people at Gobekli Tepe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you're right. Okay, 25,000 years
0: ago, they got buried.
1: Totally. Like I was scuba diving in uh, in Cayman Brac over the Christmas holidays. And um, I have been diving for eight years. I did my 100th dive on the first day I was there. And that's I right. did 32 dives while I was there.
3: Unbelievable. Yeah,
1: so like I've done like 131 dives in the last eight years. Yeah. And I saw something for the first time on this trip, which was odd. And I, I'm like a total nerd. Like I do this fish ID and stuff. So I know a lot of what I'm seeing. And then I I, totally, I'm totally admitting that I'm a nerd, but I love it. (laughs) I chart it. And then I know like a glassy sweeper. I've only seen this once in 131 dives. Like this thing is rare. So now it's either not living in the, in the depths that I'm diving at, or it's habitat is something that I haven't figured out yet. So when I saw this, I, I knew that I'd never seen it before because I'm super observant and I'm like looking. It's like this giant wears Waldo under the sea, right? <laughs> like I'm addicted. You're
0: always trying to find something. I, you haven't yeah, seen. like I love it, right? Yeah.
1: And the first time I saw it, it was something that was covered up, kind of by like like dusty sediment. Yeah, and um, underneath it looked like a string of beads, but the bead part was hot pink, like it was glowing. Neon hot pink,
3: hmm.
1: and I was like, "That is so weird." And I, I try really hard. Like I pride myself on being a good diver and having good buoyancy and not touching stuff. But this one was weird enough that I actually let go of this like thing that's really important to me. And I went down, like I, you let out your air. It's basically yeah. what it is, and your body, like you can control your body going up and the down buoyancy, with your breathing. Yeah. I went down and I like carefully reached my hand in and I just grabbed it. I actually, mm. I thought that somebody had maybe dropped beets and I thought I'll pick this up and put it in my pocket and take this, this garbage out. Yeah. When I touched it, it was squishy. <laughs> like it was some kind of creature. So I dropped it, but yeah. it was dead and it had this sediment on it. Right. I was like, that is so weird. And then a couple days later we were diving on this wall and then we were at about 105 feet yeah. depth. And is that
0: the deepest you've gone?
1: I've gone like way deeper, okay. not purposely. When I was in the, in the blue hole, okay. I got uh, oxygen narcosis and went deeper than I was Ooh. supposed to because you get kind of loopy Yeah, and I was like looking at stuff and counting the sharks circling in the water above us and didn't realize how ah. deep I went. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty deep. Yeah. Not like I mean it's in the ocean like 150 200 feet is nothing Nothing, in the ocean, but like for what you're supposed to dive, that's very like 150 feet is very deep. Um, yeah, I saw this thing on the wall and it was glowing hot pink, and it was like it looks like a plant, but like coral. Some corals are animals, but they look like plants. Right. And um, I gestured to my one of my friends because I was there with two friends, and um, she came over and I pointed and I was like made the gesture like, what is it? Because mm-hmm. she's done like 650 dives. And oh, she wow. gestured back and like, I don't know, and shook her head. And she had her camera. And so I pointed like, take a picture. Because what is this? So she took a picture. And when we got back on the boat, there was a lady on our boat who's been doing, diving since the 80s and doing coral surveys around the world. So it was, I was saying, like, I saw this really weird thing. I've never seen it before. And she said, oh, yeah, like, it's coral that's dying. And we don't know why, but it fluoresces these most, brilliant neon glowing colors before it dies. Yeah. I know. And like then I, someone said, oh, you should watch the documentary Chasing Coral. So I got home and watched it and became very depressed because (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the corals are the nurseries of the ocean Yeah, and we're killing them off with all the stuff that we're doing to our planet. Like zero respect for the house that we live in and on. Yeah. And that's what makes me very sad because I could see the impact when the nurseries of the ocean are finally killed off. And there's so many people that I have the utmost respect for that are, they're trying to create technologies and figure this out. And that's also why I want to see a world where leaders are groomed specifically to be good, like to have this view of humanity greater than ourselves. And, um, I saw that I'm like, oh my God, like the, there's like this life source and we're just killing it off with zero respect. Yeah and no concept for who comes after us. And you're right, the planet will be fine. Yeah,
0: they'll figure it out. It'll evolve. Humanity's then.
1: not so sturdy.
0: No, not at all. There's that young, I want to say he's out of Britain or England. Um, he's developed a way of gathering up the those large um, ocean garbage piles that oh, are cool. floating.
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: they're mostly plastic. Mm-hmm. And I think it was his company that's are gathering it up, they have scientists mm-hmm. testing it The ocean has developed a bacteria that's Mm -hmm. eating the plastic. So it's cool. a new bacteria, from what I understand, that's actually starting to dissolve. I don't know what's going wow. to turn into. is that bacteria it eats a whole bunch of the plastic we're making, what does it evolve into?
1: I'm so curious. Wow. Right?
0: We're we maybe creating the blob or.
1: <laughs> <some> <laughs> Speaking horrific... of the planet, will be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll. That's it'll... the
1: coolest thing ever. I had not heard that.
0: Yeah. So this young guy has got a method um, that supposedly is better than anyone else and Mm. he's really got the goal of cleaning up the ocean but you have to get people to stop throwing crap into it we say it all the time in nutrition like well you can take all the supplements you Mm -hmm. want but if you keep poisoning it every day what's the point in taking the (laughs) supplement stop poisoning it and maybe you don't don't even need to take the supplement (laughs) yeah (laughs) right
1: i know and i think about it too like when i've traveled different places it's like like i was in india for a month a couple of winters ago and, like, the plastic garbage in places was blowing like sand dunes. Like, I'm not kidding. The mounds of plastic that had blown and drifted into certain areas where, like, wind patterns would push it. And I was watching it, like, one one place we were driving or we were going on a train, like, out through the countryside to go from one place to another. And um, I was looking at it and I was just thinking, like... We have created this. Yeah. These people, people around the world, they want to be like us. They want to be like North America. And so...
0: Was it? Was plastic created in North America?
1: That's a good question. I don't I know. know. We
0: need like a producer to Google stuff for oh us. Oh, my
1: God. Hey, where's your son? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sit he's here, more Googler interested stuff. in VR than He's too young stuff. yet. Yeah. 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 Um, darn. I, I could have I bet tried you it's to normal. find a producer. Let, let's just
0: pretend it was north okay. americans. We're it
1: was first world nations, let's just say. Okay. For sure it would have been some kind of first I think with right. somebody who had access to petroleum products, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So then like when you look at developing nations, they they like hear our music, they watch on TV and they get they get this diet of that and they they're like, "Oh, like if I would be successful, like this is I'll be like it's like America." Yeah. And um, so then when they get a little bit more money, what they can afford is like candy mm-hmm. and junk food. And that's what they spend their extra nickel on. Yeah. And then like, especially in India, historically, they're, the things that they would get, even if it was from a cart, or the equivalent of a street vendor, it'd come in like some kind of leaf or a clay thing, and then you throw it, you throw it on the ground, and and like people walk on the clay, it turns back to dust. The leaf yeah. blows away, it disintegrates. It's fine if Part you litter; of the cycle. doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So now they historically, like, and this is not this is just what they do, and it's not because if they were educated, I think they probably wouldn't do that. So and like it's probably being said, don't litter. Well first of all, there's no garbage trucks that pick up garbage. Yeah. Like, there's none of that in municipalities. So, like, where does it even go? Right. Um, so, yeah, they're like, eat a candy, eat, eat a cookie, eat something to be like to be like more than what they are. And then you throw it on the ground and then the wind blows it and it makes these like huge dunes of plastic. But that came from us. And we have the ability, first world nations, we have the ability to create plastics that would biodegrade, like out of corn and stuff like that. It's the developing nations, they can't afford it. And I know there's like whole, I'm sure some people are listening and being like, oh, the corruption and all that. Like there's whole other conversations here about this but it like the source of it is first world nations. And so there's th- my my personal view is we have a kind of responsibility to clean this up. Yeah. We started it. So what does that look like for us to own what we started and look at it the planet holistically?
0: I agree. We we work really really hard to do our part, recycling, mm-hmm. not wasting, mm-hmm. you know, like the Food wasted in our house is almost at zero. Like that's so we, cool. We make mistakes, and you know, I I I made broth, and then I put it outside in the barbecue mm-hmm. to um, to cool off before mm-hmm. I put it in the fridge. It's just not a cook, not a turned on barbecue. It's just outside <laughs> covered, and then and it's
1: wintry right now. Well,
0: no, this was in the summertime, uh, and then three days later, I'm like, I
1: left the broth
0: outside, so there's this. Oops. organic broth that's now no good anymore. So like we we do waste, but yeah. we work really hard not to. We recycle mm-hmm. everything we can. I remember hearing a comedian one time... Um, Uh, making a joke, probably it won't be as funny when I say it, but (laughs) he was talking about how the government is encouraging us all to recycle and reuse Mm -hmm. and, you know, use this type of light bulb and do this Mm -hmm. while they're dumping toxic waste in the ocean and (sighs) blowing up uh, nuclear weapons all over the planet and putting the responsibility back on us, right? Like, do we need nuclear weapons? I don't know the answer to that. I just don't. Mm -hmm. Do we need nuclear power plants? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it the right thing to do? I know I like having heat. Yeah, <laughs> I like right? having light in my house. And, yeah. and you know, what? a minus 28 day that we mm-hmm. have today and I'm sitting nice and comfortable yeah. looking at it. <laughs> um, I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our planet is doing a lot of things good and for the right reason, mm-hmm. but it's just the end result doesn't end up good. You know, mm-hmm. if we have a million people in the city, you don't get to grow a garden. We have yeah. to grow it somewhere else and bring yeah. it in. Totally. Right? You don't get to go hunting every day or every mm-hmm. third day for your meat. Mm-hmm. You have to have someone raise those animals mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And you get the choice. You can take the Walmart, you know, pump them full of, don't sue me, please. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the Walmart meat and that's pumped full of hormones and let's get these mm-hmm. as big as we can, as fast mm-hmm. as we can. And you can go to your local rancher. Uh, Wayne Hanson we have mm-hmm. out here that grows uh, really good, um, meat that he watches every animal. He touches mm-hmm. every animal every day. He, you know, brings cool. the food. Yeah, it's it's an excellent place to go buy meat. Mm-hmm. You have your choice. Mm-hmm. But you can have a $3 a pound steak and you can have a $20 a pound steak.
1: Totally. Well, and like that comes back to the point of our, our gluttonous society mm. where we want more, 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 more of everything. And it's like, really? Yeah. First of all, like, I, I commend you for having no food waste in your house. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like... And I've been that way for years. And I, the saddest thing for me is the plastics that can't be recycled, that have to go in the garbage. And it's just like, why can't we do packaging that is biodegradable? Because
0: like, it breaks down in transport, it's not yeah, food right. safe. Like how do you, you know? <laughs> what I would like to see as a good start is for grocery stores to stop throwing out the ugly food. Right. Right. And yeah. when, when, when the farmers bring in all their food and then the big grocery stores go, well, no, we get mm-hmm. first pick because we're spending the most. Mm-hmm. And they wait till the very last minute because mm-hmm. it's good financial decision mm-hmm. for them to let the other stuff rot and mm-hmm. then just take the good stuff. And then the little grocery stores can't survive anymore because they can't get good fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. in. Um, and we're wasting, I think it's, Upwards of thirty percent of the produce that comes off the fields. Holy cow! Um, I know companies or countries, companies, countries like France has stopped Mm -hmm. that. They're like, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I think they've even stopped grocery stores from like they have to calculate their Mm -hmm. waste, or they're not allowed to. I can't remember exactly, but you have to come up with a plan to Mm -hmm. not waste anymore. I would love to see just that happening that would change mm-hmm. massively. I don't care if my broccoli has got the perfect mm-hmm. round you know mm-hmm. head to it i don't mm-hmm. I don't care you yeah. know if the outside of my lettuce has a couple of brown leaves. Mm-hmm. I can pick those off. it's not mm-hmm. a big deal at all mm-hmm. um and the rest of it is still good
2: mm-hmm.
0: I get we have to wrap things in plastic and make it last' because mm-hmm. that's just what we're in, mm-hmm. but let's do the easy stuff totally. like you know throwing yeah. out. 30 or 35% of our, right. our produce is gross.
1: It I is know, so gross. right? Yeah. Oh,
0: excuse me. That was a bit of a rant that probably took... <laughs> that to I know. You I that. love
1: how we're... So I take it we're both tree huggers here. I, um,
0: <laughs> I, 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 I like to see the planet doing well. Mm-hmm. I like to see that what I'm doing will affect my kids mm-hmm. and my grandkids and my great grandkids. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if you're not, uh, I, I watch the, t- the TV show Vikings mm-hmm. and so uh, <laughs> Vikings talk about having two deaths, right? Mm-hmm. There's the the physical death, mm-hmm. but there's also the death where people stop talking about you. And the reason people stop mm-hmm. talking about it is because you had no effect mm-hmm. on them. I want my great grandchildren and mm. my great-great-grandchildren go, I want to be like great-grandfather, Chad.
1: Totally. Right?
0: To, to, to leave a legacy behind of something that can get the people around us excited. And, totally. And doing something better for the planet.
1: So it's so, like, I'm so with you. If I've got it, to find this quote because you will, you will love it. Cool. I, um,
0: I do a bunch of that on social media. I look at people's, other people's quotes and then I mm-hmm. put it under our banner. So it'll probably go up.
1: This one is a good one.
0: We'll definitely have to, uh, I'll, I'll wait for the quote to come up, but the, um, talk about renovation in your company because mm-hmm. we're uh, an hour and a half into this now <gasps> and I don't want to, <laughs> oh I don't want to not promote what you guys do because, uh, oh, totally. it's really, really fantastic. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I would, I yeah. I excited. also
0: want to question you about women in business too, because this isn't a business that you would see a oh, lot of women Oh, totally. In, so.
1: Yeah. It's a George Bernard Shaw quote. Okay. And it goes, This is the true joy in life being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it what I can. It is a sort of splendid torch which I have got hold of for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Wow.
0: That's powerful. Right? I have one. I think it's still on my Facebook. I'm just double checking now. Um, Maybe I can get the real one if it comes up. Come on. That um, falls right in the same line as that. I took it off. Nope. There it is. Uh, be ashamed to die until you've won some victory for humanity. Ugh, and that is yeah. by, I can't see who the author is. Sorry, whoever you are. I'm sure you're really old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> some thinker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But why Why are we just happy to, or maybe we're not happy. Maybe mm-hmm. why are we just going through life, um, just taking it as it comes in? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's embarrassing to, yeah. to think Yeah, like we could mostly... literally
1: own our life yeah. and run with it. Yeah. Like run it, run, do as much as we could. Right. And then when we die, we die.
0: Yeah. And, and leave something great behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talk, been talking about this a lot lately too, that um, Jordan Peterson talks about the story of Atlas in mm-hmm. Greek mythology, mm-hmm. where he was made to hold up the world. And he says, right. every day we need to pick up enough responsibility that we mm-hmm. know that it's there, but it's not so great that it crushes us. Oh, wow. And I love that thought that mm-hmm. we have a responsibility every morning. There's a reason to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And it's not just to plug sandwiches into a bag mm-hmm. and to put mud on the wall or, mm-hmm. or do whatever we're doing. We have a greater purpose. And what is, mm-hmm. what is that going to be? Write it down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Write I down love that. that. And, and that
1: totally goes along with this George Bernard Shaw quote, because it's like, It gives us a purpose bigger than ourselves. And that gives us, like as humans, it gives us something worth living for. Right. It's just, when it's just us, I mean, this is, it's so depressing and it's so lonely and it just seems so pointless.
0: I think it's called The Way of Man, uh, one of the few books that I've read.
1: Nice. Woo, chat. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It talks about um, suicide and depression rates Mm -hmm. dropping almost down to nothing Mm -hmm. during war right because there's a reason you have to be diligent in everything Mm -hmm. you do that day Uh, Mm -hmm. but these people that get up and don't have a purpose in their Mm -hmm. lives that's why they're Mm -hmm. anxious that's why they're depressed Mm -hmm. not always i get there's some real physical Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to put down anyone's um the way they feel or Mm -hmm. or or how they are but i think a majority of people just don't have a good reason to live Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking about a good reason, (gasps) you run a very successful construction company, a renovation company. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got written down, talk about women in business. So you're Mm -hmm. in an industry that's not typically run by women.
1: Totally, Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I didn't actually become aware of that until I was, I think I was like... 11 or 12 years into the construction industry when I was like, You're wait, all the the girls. <laughs> like, like I knew that there wasn't a lot of girls, but I never thought about it. I was just carrying on with my life and yeah. like uh, doing what I'm doing. And then it's like, Oh, this is really uncommon. Yeah. And, um, it's funny because my dad started, he started Mayfield renovations in Illinois before I was even born. Mm. Yeah, and him and mom, they, they renovated houses, and I believe they built some spec houses there. And uh, he, he tells a story that he uh, brainwashed me when I was little. <laughs> I, was, I got brainwashed too. We all did. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally, right? I was super colicky. And yeah. actually, I mean, in hindsight, mom and dad were renovating a house, I think, at the time, or they were building a house. So mom was, was living on cereal, Oh, like wow! Flour. When she was
0: pregnant with you,
1: when I was preg- when she was pregnant, and when I was a baby, okay. like tiny little baby, right? Yeah. So this is like mother's milk is being formed from milk yeah. and gluten. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I know as an adult, my body doesn't really care for those things. Yeah. So I cried all the time, and then Dad had a daytime job, and then he'd come home, and I mean, she probably was like, "Take this kid." Yeah. I mean, the, probably the reason that she wanted to off me. No, I'm <laughs> totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh like, my goodness. No, I have dark humor. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah, so I you know, I don't know if she actually said, Take this kid, right? Yeah. But but she did like needed a break for me when dad would get home. And so he'd strap me on his back and he'd go out and he'd mix one wheelbarrow of mortar every night and he'd lay eighty bricks. Wow. And that motion of mixing it and then back and forth, back and forth with me on his back, I would I would stop screaming my full head off. Yeah. And there'd be peace in the family. When you're outside. Yeah, and on dad's back and and stuff, right? So he's like, I brainwashed her as a baby. Um, I so, got,
0: I got sent to the job site because I was such a pain in the ass kid. So I'm sure <laughs> that's why I was a journeyman drywaller by right. the time I was 15, because every weekend, every after school is like, yeah. come pick up this kid. <laughs> we <laughs> so, need him
1: out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's also like, I, this is funny cause I had the thought earlier when you're saying you don't like to read. Yeah. I get it. You're like a hands on and like, like tactile and like your learning style oh, would yeah. be like, let me try it and learn it and. And, like, there's this, There's not, like, a right or wrong. We're just, like, all of us are hardwired hardwired yeah. in different ways. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, ending up in construction, it wasn't a family business. Dad did it to make a living yeah. through the years and, like, had all these little kids and stuff. And he was pastoring a church, like, very small. So, I mean, there was never... There would not ever have been enough money from the church, not even probably for him on his own. Right. Um, and then you have a family of five kids.
0: Yeah.
1: And mom was a stay-at-home mom. So... um
0: which in that generation was more common. Um, it was. It was almost what was expected.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, in hindsight, she's a woman who's super intelligent. She would have loved to have a career and get out of the house and not be around all these kids all around time. But <laughs> it was like socially not acceptable. Right. Also in the religion too. Like women weren't encouraged to go work. They're encouraged to stay home. Yeah. So she was she was kind of a victim of that too. And victim's probably the wrong word, right? Because we yeah. do choose what we choose. But um I had so I didn't necessarily I didn't know that I'd end up in construction. This is my third business. Okay, So what were the first two? Yeah, so when I was homeschooling at, from thirteen on, I dropped out when I was fifteen. Yeah, so actually,
0: I bet you the principal is upset. <laughs>
1: There was none of <laughs> those mom and dad. I always say we were like free range kids because yeah. we we're just doing our own thing, raising ourselves, right? Um, but uh dad was had worked a lot and and my mom, as I mentioned, was struggled with depression. Um but yeah, so it's funny because I am a civil engineering technologist, but my formal education from high school of was like I dropped out basically after grade eight. I didn't do much the next two years, but then through my twenties, uh Night classes, yourself. yeah, like yeah. I did all the upgrading at Schenectady College here yeah. in Calgary, and it just was like forever. So kids, get your grade twelve. Yeah. <laughs> tell tell your kids get their grade twelve, or it takes you all your evenings and weekends. It feels like for years. Yeah, um, yeah. So I first business. Yeah, we moved to Alberta when I was fifteen, and I was super depressed. The move came out of a really traumatizing church split and the family was blown apart and people didn't talk anymore and blah, blah, blah. And I remember that I cried for three days. And when we got to Alberta, I was so depressed. I was just like in bed all day. Yeah. And um, my my sister next older than me, she'd had this little organic produce, little delivery service in Saskatchewan where we lived. Her number one client was mom and dad because we were eating <laughs> healthy. <laughs> but then a few of their friends, they had a little health business on the side um in that community of their clients and friends my sister was was selling produce and and had this little business so dad definitely tried to help us all foster our own little business like a way to make an income yeah and um so my sister we moved to alberta she got married and her and her husband were trying to make it make a go of it here in calgary and um it was not working um and that was right like my brother-in-law was going around at night in the middle of the night hand delivering the priceless into people's mailboxes and then working during the day this is killing himself right yeah. and he had all these free fridges from um i don't know what it was at the time not kijiji cuz we didn't have that back then this is 90 96 and Craig
0: Lester or something maybe like even that the paper. it
1: was probably the paper yeah there was some kind of there was it was a paper It in I'll the classifieds yeah So I remember dad came into my bedroom one day and he tossed this yellow file folder on the bed and said, you know, like you can't just do nothing with your life. And here I bought Calgary Organics for you, which was the little organic produce store my sister was trying to run out of their little apartment. I was so mad at dad. (laughs) I didn't speak to him. I did not like teenage girl, right? Yeah. Uh, I didn't speak to him for like three months after wow. that but what happened was because he said okay fine if you're not going to school you have to do something yeah and so that he birthed this crazy entrepreneur so that wow. little organic produce store um we lived on an acreage just south of city you know when you go to Okotoks, that garden center there yeah we rented an acreage down the road from there okay so it was a california style bungalow and the attached double garage off the front of the house it was attached, but you went through um, like a breezeway that had a rear entryway furnace room laundry till you got into the house okay so they we weren 't using those two bedrooms, and they let me have it and so i had been i 've been working since I was ten, so I always had money as a kid, so my unlike my poor sister who they're they 're newly married and they 're struggling to pay bills and stuff like that. I straight out did a couple things. I went and bought a walk-in cooler Mm -hmm. and uh, negotiated the guy down to much less than the original price for it. Didn't have a credit rating. I'm 16. I didn't even have my driver's (laughs) license yet. (laughs) (laughs) And um, went to the bank and I got a a female banker and she was hugely influential at the time of who I am today. She gave me this book called Becoming the Wealthy Woman. Yeah. And, um, as a side note, I read the book and I knew that I could become wealthy, but I didn't need to do it cause I was going to get married and have babies that's what the religion was about. <laughs> like for women, right? Yeah. That didn't happen. So I wished that I had like followed the advice in that book back then. Yeah. I didn't, but I did. She took the money for the walk in cooler. It was, f- I got the price down to $5,000 and, um, she took 5,000 of my dollars that I had in my savings account and froze it as a loan and I paid it off over the next year and then just paid it out in, in full. Yeah. And that's how I started to get a credit rating. So this, this woman helped me so much between dad and her getting me going on this path. And then because I'd been trying to homeschool, I had that newfangled thing called email. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. And a fax machine. Yeah. Like <laughs> We're just like living on the edge here. <laughs> And back just, then it would have been, though. It that, was. That was
0: very um you were ahead of the, the the pack for sure.
1: Totally. I know, it was because of this failed homeschooling that I wasn't doing. I remember I'd made a joke, somebody got a fax machine, and I said, Oh my god, like everybody's gonna cluster around it. Like, let's wait. Let's wait for a fax to come through. There's
0: only four people that have a fax machine. <laughs> totally, right?
1: And so because I was this like rebellious, well, I don't know that I wasn't rebellious yet, actually. I was very unhappy. I was insolent and I said, like, no way am I gonna drive. Well, first of all, I didn't have my license at the beginning um, yeah. and I got it right away, but I wasn't going to drive around and hand deliver flyers. Like, no way, right? So I faxed and emailed. So immediately overnight, a bunch of the clients were just gone and I didn't care. I was only doing it because I had to. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting in hindsight is the people who stayed as clients were people that had a little bit more money because they had a fax machine or email. They were a little bit more advanced at the time. Yeah. And then I cut, I, I cut out, um, you had to have a minimum order and I think I made it $80, which was like, my family was like, that's outrageous because people would order like a head of lettuce. (laughs) You're going (laughs) to deliver a head of lettuce. (laughs) Right? Totally. So I had this innate, some kind of business sense as a 16 year old. And then that, I did that for four years. And I remember thinking at the time, like, I should keep this and I could be so wealthy, but I was young. I was totally unrefined. I, I thought Mr. Wright was building the career and he'd like wide, ride in on the white <laughs> steed and like he had, he'd had he have the career that was the bread and butter. This was my fun money. Yeah. And um, I got bored after four years and I just closed it down and- Didn't even sell it, nothing, just- No, and as a 20-year-old, people, two different people came and paid me to consult to pick my brain on how to run a business like that.
0: Wow. Oh.
1: This was like, and I knew, it's funny when I saw a spud- spud rise up in the city I'm like yeah this is what I knew all along you but I lacked that discipline 15 years ago yeah, yeah. I lacked the discipline yeah. to actually stick it out and um, so that was my first business I traveled ran out of money came home <laughs> <laughs>
0: so it sounds like a 20 year old thing to totally, do. totally <laughs> right and
1: then mom and dad separated and we moved into the city and um
0: and um That's where it fell apart. So our computer crashed. We had uh, no way of continuing. So we stop it there. I promise you guys I'll have Carla back. We'll get the whole story. Talk about uh, women in business and her running a renovation company. And uh, you'll get to know her better. So uh, thanks for listening. Please uh, check out our social media. I'll post uh, Carla's social media with her company. Um, Love you guys. Thank you. Bye.